welcome to Little Yo Pod, the All Things Yosemite podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about a topic that I have wanted to cover since I started this podcast, but have been too daunted and intimidated by it until now. And to be honest, I still am. It is with much sadness that I have not done my due diligence researching this subject before, even as an interpretive guide in Yosemite. But one reason for that may be that I was never asked about it by any of my guests. But even if I was, I would have had to admit that I just hadn't taken the time to really dig into it. However, February is Black History Month, and this episode will be releasing in February, so I thought there was no better time than now to talk about the Buffalo Soldiers. Now, you have probably heard the name Buffalo Soldier, and you may even know a bit about their history, but if you're like me, the extent of your knowledge of this select group of men doesn't go much farther than knowing that they were army regiments made up of black soldiers formed around the American Civil War. But if you don't know much about the Buffalo Soldiers beyond that, you're not alone. I would say that most people visiting Yosemite have never even heard of them, let alone knew that they worked in the national parks. But the more I dug into this, the more I found their entire story remarkable and inspiring, and I think you will too. So let's start with who the Buffalo Soldiers were. So during the Civil War, African-American men uh, volunteered to fight for the Union Army against the South, and they actually made up 10% of the total army at that time. So due to the high volume of volunteers, the troops were organized into segregated regiments. There were six of them at first, which eventually consolidated into four uh, after the Civil War that would become what we know as the Buffalo Soldiers. So this is the 9th and 10th Cavalry, and these are soldiers on horseback. And then the 24th and 25th Infantry, and those were the foot soldiers. Altogether, uh, they comprised over 2,500 men uh, after the Civil War during peacetime. So many of the men were former slaves or coming from uh, families of slaves, and they had little to no education when the regiments were first formed. But it wasn't long before the black soldiers proved an asset to the United States military. It was their hard work, their bravery and dedication to their duties, even in the face of adversity and discrimination that earned them the respect, not only among superior officers and fellow troops, but among the communities that they eventually became incorporated into during their time serving on the Western Plains. So numbers have shown that the number, or I'm sorry, the, um, that the members of the African American regiments, they actually had lower desertion rates and lower rates of dishonorable discharge and higher reenlistment rates than white soldiers. Um, so after the Civil War ended, white regiments were sent down south to the south for reconstruction because they couldn't send the African-American regiments there. That would have just been chaos. And so they, the black regiments were dispatched out west to counterattacks from Native Americans during westward expansion uh, or manifest destiny. And this was the um, American and Indian Wars. So that is around the time they were starting to be called Buffalo Soldiers. And this was the 1870s. And there are some conflicting stories behind the origin of the name. Previously, many historians believed or perhaps wanted to believe the Buffalo Soldiers were named by the Plains Indians because of their great courage and strength. And they saw a resemblance between that and the sacred buffalo. But that is probably not true. So the reality of this situation is that the military was there to fight the Indians and to remove them from their land at the behest of the American government. And there is no account of there being an amicable relationship or mutual respect between the Buffalo Soldiers and the Indians. 
And I think it's kind of insulting to imply that there was any underlying understanding between them on both sides. I feel that it feeds into this notion that there is this invisible bond that exists between what Western Europeans would have considered like exotic cultures at the time. What is believed to be the true origin of the name was that the Plains Indians who did give them the name saw a resemblance between the hair of the black men and the mat of fur between a buffalo's horns. So it seems it was a method of identification more than anything else. But the men did embrace the moniker and eventually Buffalo Soldier became synonymous with the black regiments. Eventually, they would adopt the buffalo as the symbol of their regimental insignia, but not for many years later. So like I mentioned earlier, these men were great soldiers and gained a ton of respect over the years in the military. They were sent for many times to assist other troops during the Indian Wars, including the time they rescued the 7th Cavalry, the former regiment of General Custer, from an attack. One man in the Buffalo Soldier Regiment even earned the Medal of Honor for that battle. But in 1898, the U.S. battleship Maine was sunk off of the coast of Cuba and the United States declared war on Spain, believed to be responsible for the attack. So for the first time, every regiment of the Buffalo Soldiers were to serve together in the Spanish-American War. The 9th and 10th Cavalry and the 24th and 25th Infantry were mustered in Georgia and then to Florida, where they experienced the horrible, shocking reality of the Jim Crow laws of the South. Where they had gained respect and prestige out West, the South was a completely different world for them. Upon arrival, the men were subjected to abuse, uh, fighting, shootings, and riots. It was beyond anything they had ever experienced before as soldiers. The Spanish-American War, however, was groundbreaking in that black and white soldiers fought shoulder to shoulder for the first time. Most famously, the Buffalo soldiers fought alongside Theodore Roosevelt and the Rough Riders in the Battle of San Juan Hill during the war, and this battle was essentially what put Roosevelt in political office. So Roosevelt at first praised the men of the 9th and 10th Cavalry, the Buffalo soldiers, saying that they showed courage equal to or surpassing even his own men during battle. But when asked about the incident later when he was running for governor of New York, he claimed that he had to force the men up the hill at gunpoint and that they were in the habit of shirking their duties unless provoked by white officers. Note that the American flag was planted on San Juan Hill by 10th Cavalry Buffalo Soldier George Berry, who also planted the flag held by a wounded member of the 3rd Cavalry, a white regiment. Other stories, in fact, report that Roosevelt arrived well after the battle was over, which could explain why he referred to the Spanish-American War as the, quote, splendid little war. Ironically, the Buffalo Soldiers would later be assigned to security detail for Roosevelt's famous Yosemite visit, despite his apparent confusion for their aptitude. Many of the men who came to patrol Yosemite in the early 1900s had served in the Spanish-American War and the Philippine-American War. They had gone through hell up until then, fighting tirelessly for America and their fellow men, but they had earned respect and admiration based on their performance and integrity by the time they were sent to patrol uh, in Yosemite, or what was referred to as the Cavalryman's Paradise. It was a much different assignment than they had been used to, but you may be wondering how they went from bloody battles on foot and horseback to peaceful patrol of the mountains of California. Well, to get there, we have to understand a little bit of what was going on with Yosemite um, at the time. So on October 1st, 1890, the greater areas surrounding Yosemite Valley and the Mariposa Grove of giant sequoias were set aside and designated national park land by Congress, making Yosemite the third national park in the United States. 
Up until then, a scrappy gentleman in fringed leather named Galen Clark had been appointed as guardian of the then state parks of Yosemite Valley and the Mariposa Grove, which were pretty small areas. So with so much new land under the jurisdiction of the federal government, it was an additional 1,500 square miles around Yosemite and the additional land that made up Sequoia and General Grant Parks, the military was sent in to protect and establish the newly acquired area. The military was the official presiding authority of the parks from 1891 up until 1913, leading up to the formation of the Park Service, which did not exist until 1916. So the big problem here was that the land had been accessible to the communities surrounding Yosemite for decades before, um, pretty much since they got there. Uh, So now it had been designated federal land to be preserved and protected from hunting and timber harvest. And that just did not sit well with the locals who continued to use the land as they had become accustomed to over the years. So I understand the frustration here. Like one minute, the locals had ready access to everything they needed to survive. And then the next minute, they were being told that they weren't allowed to use that resource anymore, pretty much overnight. (laughs) So creating national parks wasn't totally supported by everyone, specifically the local people. And I imagine the communities were probably pretty upset by the new development, even perhaps refusing to comply. So I suppose in the first few years, uh, the troops that were sent to patrol the national parks were made up of white soldiers, which may have softened what I'm assuming would have been uh, sort of maybe a too much of a shocking reality from the arrival of the Buffalo soldiers who would take up the post in later years. So in 1899, 1903, and 1904, the 9th Cavalry and the 24th Infantry were sent to Yosemite and Sequoia to patrol the land during the summer months. But just imagine how shocking it must have been for the white settlers to be confronted by a black soldier on horseback in the early 1900s. I don't think I need to remind everyone here that the civil rights movement was still over 60 years away, and the NAACP uh, wasn't even founded until 1909. So it was very (laughs) controversial at first, with the army coming to patrol an area which was generally unwelcome in any community, and that for a few seasons, the men on patrol were African-American men among (laughs) a totally white community. Um, So the Buffalo soldiers had to use their authority to be stern, yet amicable and diplomatic with the locals, even showing a bit of compassion. In essence, these men were the first park rangers, and they would shape the duty for future federal park rangers. So the Buffalo soldiers really had their work cut out for them as far as patrolling and policing the land went, their main concern being poachers and timber thieves, mostly. But they also did a lot of other work in the parks as well. Some of their more lasting efforts included uh, building the first road into the giant forest in Sequoia National Park. And they also built the very first trail to the top of Mount Whitney, which is the highest peak in the lower 48 states. And they also created an arboretum in Yosemite, which is now believed to be the first interpretive nature trail in the whole national park system. Of particular note among the Buffalo soldiers' impact to the parks was an officer named Charles Young. Charles Young was the third African-American man to graduate from West Point Military Academy and the first to achieve the rank of colonel in the U.S. Army. He was also the first black superintendent in the national parks when he oversaw Sequoia and General Grant, now what we know as Kings Canyon National Parks. And he was the driving force behind the construction of the road into the giant forest, which, you know, has been used by millions of people since then. Officer Young and his troops completed more projects that summer in 1903 than his three predecessors combined. So there were many trails, roads, projects, and future objectives that could be attributed to the role of the Buffalo Soldiers in the National Parks that have affected more visitors over the years than most people even realize. But the thing is, until recently, 
hardly anyone even knew about those men and the work they did. Like so many stories written, recorded, and told in American history, the legacy of the Buffalo Soldiers was not told at all or misinterpreted, like when Roosevelt claimed that he had to lead the Black Soldiers at San Juan Hill by gunpoint. This topic has daunted me for a long time because I knew researching it would be a challenge, and it was. This was one of the hardest episodes I've ever had to write, and it has taken a long time. Because this information wasn't even widely available until the 1990s, and it is still really lacking in available information just on the internet. And really, it was the work of Yosemite Park Ranger Shelton Johnson who brought Buffalo Soldiers into the public's mind through his novel Gloryland and his interpretive program called Through the Eyes of a Buffalo Soldier, which he performed in Yosemite for many years. Even looking through old encyclopedias, as I did, revealed that there is no mention of Buffalo Soldiers at all, which today seems amazing considering what we now know. But it really makes me wonder how many other stories have been omitted and how many historical accounts are not facts, but interpretations of facts and events based on who's telling it. So I hope this dive into the story of the Buffalo Soldiers not only piques your interest in this subject, but that it encourages you to always dig deeper and seek the truth in everything. And remember that the people of the past, even our heroes and the people who wrote our history, were as imperfect as anyone. It is really tempting to become angry when we learn the truth of injustices or when we learn that we've been misinformed or even lied to. But we can use that energy to propel us toward a better, more illuminated future of equality and progress for everyone. And that, I believe, is one of the greatest legacies of the Buffalo Soldiers. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Little Yo Pod. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it and ask them to give us a rating on iTunes. The more listeners and ratings this podcast receives, the more people will find it and the greater the chances that this content will be, uh, continue to be created. And if you want to support Little Yo Pod more directly, please consider uh, joining our Patreon community where members get bonus material, videos, photos, and other resources, including my own personal content and things that I have learned from my outdoor adventures and there's actually stuff on there um, that is uh, just open for for everyone as well it's not just for members Uh, so I'll include a link for that Uh, and now for something completely different the new segment that has replaced the fun fact section where I read a listener review and this week's review comes from SGW and they write Love, love, love this podcast. We visited Yosemite last year for the first time, and it was a dream. We loved listening to this podcast before our trip, and listening to it since makes me yearn to go back. Thanks so much for providing such a beautifully scripted podcast. I can't wait to visit Yosemite again, but until then, I'll live vicariously through your episodes. Well, thank you so much, SGW. I'm so happy that this podcast can keep bringing Yosemite to you even when you're away. That is the whole point of what I do, and it really brings me so much joy and motivation when I hear uh, that Little Yopod helps keep keep people connected to Yosemite. Uh, that's, yeah, like I said, the whole point of it, so mission accomplished. If you want to let me know uh, what you love most about Yosemite, or if you just want to drop me a line, go ahead and leave me a review on iTunes, and I will read it on a upcoming episodes. Uh, the reviews and emails and messages I get are really the reason why I keep doing this, so thank you everyone who has reached out so far, and I look forward to hearing from many more of you. Check the show notes for resources for today's episode, uh, and ways to contact me via email, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Uh, this week's resources include video links to a free documentary about the Buffalo Soldiers on YouTube, as well as links to other websites and National Park websites about the Buffalo Soldiers in Yosemite and the National Parks. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Little Yo Pod. I'm Laura Jackson. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful day. Thank you.